Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed and happy Pentecost to all of you on this day. Um, There are many traditions that go along with great and important feast days, this day being equal to Easter and Christmas. For Christmas, a lot of times we get together as family, we exchange presents, we come to church and the silence and the holiness of the night sort of overcomes us. On Easter, we get together, we hide Easter eggs and have Easter baskets and we wear our new dresses and new hats and new ties and we come to church. We also usually have big family gatherings afterwards. And one of the big, at least southern traditions for Pentecost is going to the beach. <laughs> so, so for those of you who couldn't, were not able to go to the beach, uh, welcome and happy Pentecost. Uh, there are also, besides traditions that go with all these great and holy days, there are memories. Um, different memories for different people, but memories for me of Christmas or of family and of midnight masses and Christmas mornings. And on Easter, it's visiting family and dying eggs and and things like that. Uh, My members of Pentecost, however, are uh, a bit different. (laughs) They're actually much different. Usually it's of uh, getting whomped by God, if you will. Uh, One of the most vibrant and memorable and lasting memories for me of Pentecost was when I was in seminary. Uh, And I might have told this story before, so excuse me if I have. Uh, But when I was in seminary, I was a chaplain at uh, Northwestern University Memorial Hospital, uh, And because I sort of spoke up last, I was given the most difficult of duties. I had both the intensive care unit and the uh, neurological intensive care unit. So I was chaplain to nearly, I think, 200 beds. Um, And on that day, uh, any average day, you would have between 9 and 15 deaths on that day. So here I am straight into seminary uh, having to deal with that. Um, So I did what any young seminarian did. I worked as hard as I could and... uh, met with people and met with people. I would go from terrible tractor incident, someone flew in and a young boy would be dead to a gang shooting. Uh, all kinds, the most horrible things you can think of. Uh, during Greek Fest one year, uh, someone, a young man who was standing on the front of a boat, uh, they were just barely idling along, fell off the front of the boat, hit his head on a uh, rock and died. And the whole place filled up uh, with all these fraternities and sororities that had come to see him, and I was kind of making my way through them. Um, kind of felt like Rudy, because every, with everything uh, that happened, you'd get hit and knocked down, not knowing how to do this, being overwhelmed. Um, I remember one time uh, a, a young father, or I guess middle-aged father, uh, had a motorcycle accident, and his estranged son came into the chaplain's room and spit on me. Uh, since I was, I guess, God's representative, he was mad at what all that had happened. Um, you just get continually every day knocked down. You just get back up and try your hardest again. And get knocked down and get back up and try your hardest again. Uh, and it would wear on me. It was one of the most difficult things I'd ever done. Um, and Catherine will, t- will, t- will tell you, uh, it was a very difficult time in, in our life. Just being overwhelmed, beat up, wore down uh, by all these events. And it was also... it. Northwestern University Memorial Hospital, I uh, saw where I can say objectively and with certainty, I encountered my first angel in the form of sort of a West African lady uh, whom I never saw before and never since, 
who came to me as I was obviously looking shell-shocked in the hall one day and said, Brother Jeff, Brother Jeff, Brother Jeff, why do you try to carry the weight of the world? You need to give this to God or you will be broken and you will die inside. And then she walked out of the hall and out of my life. And there, at Pentecost, I sat in the chapel at Northwestern University Memorial Hospital, head in hands, sobbing, broken. And I'm going to leave the story there and pick it up in a second, but that is one of my most vivid memories of Pentecost. <laughs> it gets better. But before we explain the rest of, of, of the story, or I tell you the rest of the story, I want to share with you a little bit, explain Pentecost so we'll have a fuller, more robust understanding. Uh, Pentecost is not merely or simply or only a Christian holiday, a Christian festival. It has Jewish roots. It's called Shabbat in Jewish, in, in the Jewish faith. It's the first pilgrimage, Pentecost is, the first pilgrimage to Jerusalem after the Passover. So people come to Jerusalem back from all over. That's why we hear in the book of Acts this morning, people from all over the world, Nigerian, Pamplona, Libya, uh, they come to Jerusalem to offer their first fruits of the harvest. Uh, it's called in the Jewish, uh, pious Jewish uh, religion, it's called the festival of the week of weeks. It's a week of weeks, if you will. Seven days times seven gives us 49 days Plus one, so it's a fifty day. It's fifty days after Passover. It um, so it's the week of weeks. It's uh, this is to give it some importance because it also remembers, or more most importantly, Jewish Pentecost. Pentecost being fifty in Greek. Uh, Pentecost also remembers the giving of the God, God's law to Moses on Mount Sinai. So it's the week of weeks, the most important, the completion of the completion when God gave to Moses the commandments on Mount Sinai. Now this was, to us, might not seem that important, but it ushered in a new way to be with God. So it was extremely, extremely important thing that happened. Before that, uh, we didn't really know how to relate with God. Humanity did not know how to relate with God uh, in certain ways. And so this was seen as an act of divine mercy, that God would give the Israelites through Moses a way, a manner to live in harmony, to live a righteous relationship, to live in unity with God. It was seen as a new way of being, a new way of being with God, a new way to participate in the life of God. And so it's an extremely important day, uh, Shabbat. And it's no coincidence that the event of Pentecost, the descent of the Holy Spirit, the day that the room, upper room, the house that the disciples were in, filled with great rushing winds that the, all of Jerusalem took note of, the day that the Holy Spirit in the, the tongues of fire descended upon, the Holy, upon these disciples in ways that the people around could not help but notice. It's no coincidence that this takes place on the Jewish feast of Shavuot. Because in the same way that Passover or the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of Passover. Passover, we remember, is the freedom of the Israelites from slavery, captivity in Egypt. When they all took the firstborn lamb 
ate it in a certain manner and sprinkled the blood on the lintels of the doorway as a sacrifice. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is that perfect sacrifice. So the Easter event, Pascha, if you will, the, the, the event of Easter fulfills, is the ultimate Exodus event, is the ultimate Passover. In this way, the Pentecost event, the descent of the Holy Spirit, is the ultimate Shavuot. It's the ultimate. It ushers in the life of the Holy Spirit with the church. So Pentecost, on this day, we remember the church being given the Holy Spirit as a way to fully participate with God, as a way to live a life with God in ways that we never could before. We are given the Spirit of God, that same Spirit that created the world. The winds rushed over the earth and the formless void took shape. The same Spirit that was given to the prophets who testified to the truth of God. The same Spirit that parted the Red Sea waters. The same Spirit that brought Elijah up to heaven in the chariot. That same Spirit. We are given the Spirit of God to act as God. To participate fully in God's life. We're given also on this day new life. The new Israel is birthed. The church is birthed. And in many ways, if you were visiting Russia or Moscow or somewhere like that, uh, on this day, you would come into the church and it would be filled with trees. Uh, and it's sort of a strange experience. We did our own uh, sort of event with that with in a more, um, I guess, in a, in a different style. But we have greenery in the church today um, to, to symbolize this new Israel, the growth and birth of the new Israel, the people of God, given life by the power of the Holy Spirit. We also remember today the tongues of fire as the children came down throwing rose petals in the air. We do a lot. This is all life, life given by the Holy Spirit on this day. The church on this day, the new Israel, the church itself becomes God's continuing presence on the earth. We are the presence of God on the earth. This church is the presence of God on the earth. We have a sacramental life. I talked about that last Sunday. The Holy Spirit is a vehicle for this sacramental life. The presence of Christ through our baptisms and Eucharist and weddings and funerals and all these sacraments we have. We are the presence of Christ on the earth. Think about it. That's a pretty, something pretty important to celebrate. It's also a very important responsibility. Now that's the Holy Spirit in the church. The Holy Spirit in the individual is also highlighted and celebrated on this day. It is the Holy Spirit who gives life to every single thing. Every tree, every shrub, all grass, all animals, everything that lives is given life by God through the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't no longer follow the law, which we were unable to do. And that's uh, in Old Testament times, no one could ever follow the law to every dot and iota. That's why Jesus had to come. The Holy Spirit we're given at Pentecost sanctifies us. It helps us in our journey towards God. The purpose and point of life is full and perfect unity with God. And we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us, makes us holy, unites and joins us to God perfectly. In the East, it's called deification. We become as God. The point and purpose of life is full unity with God, and that's accomplished through the Holy Spirit, given freely on this day. The Holy Spirit is the vehicle for our life in God, our life in the church. Uh, one of my 
most endearing passages of Scripture and something I must remind myself of often comes from the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the church in Rome, chapter 8, verse 26. says, We do not know how to pray as we ought, but the very Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings or sighs too deep for words. So that, my brothers and sisters, is what the Holy Spirit does for us. We do not know how to pray as we ought. So even if the best we can say is help, help, the Holy Spirit knows what we need and intercedes for us to God. Even if we ask for the wrong thing, dear Lord, give me wealth and popularity and prestige and all those. Uh, If we pray for that, the Lord knows what we need. Probably in that case, a good dose of humility. But the Holy Spirit knows what we need, even if we don't know, and intercedes with God for what we need. Again, giving us life. So that's life with the Holy Spirit and the individual. I'm going to continue a little bit and go back into my story where I sat in the chapel that Pentecost day, sobbing, head in hands, and crushed. I'm going to give you a new character who was not an angel, but a faithful servant of God nonetheless. Uh, an old man named Father Moriarty. I think he was in his upper 80s. He was the, the other, he was the permanent chaplain assigned to the intensive care and neurological intensive care floor. And he came, Father Moriarty saw me, and I won't even attempt an Irish accent. And he said, what are you doing? I was like, you know, being the southern and proper gentleman I am, I was, oh, I'm fine, everything's fine. He's like, well, come to lunch with me. And so through lunch, his lunch consisted of a martini and something else, but uh, it was sort of odd, for again, for a, for a southerner uh, to, to, to do that. But he, was, he started asking and asking further and further questions and uh, inquiring as to why I was having such a bad time. He's like, well, what are you doing when you get up in the morning? Well, I get up in the morning, uh, eat breakfast, watch the TV, get dressed, get on the train, listen to music, come down and, and, and start. He goes, well, don't you do any prayer beforehand? Well, you know, we do pray as a group maybe, uh, but CPE, we don't have chapel and the prayer service. He goes, so you go to the intensive care and neurological intensive care units without praying. And I said, yes, sir. Well, that's just stupid. <laughs> he said, there's your problem. <laughs> and so he said uh, something to me uh, and, and gave me a little insight to something. Um, and he did that in a loving way. He uh, meant a tremendous amount to me. He was a very godly man. He was all, a man of humor too. Uh, but he pointed out something that has since uh, carried with me as well forever. Um, historically and still to this day, it's required or is one of the requirements of the pastoral duties of the priest that whenever they go to hear confession, whenever they go to make a pastoral visit to the hospital, whenever they go into counseling with someone, whenever they do anything pastoral, they recite Psalm 51. So we are supposed to have that committed to memory. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness and the multitude of thy mercies do away all mine offenses. Uh, there's a part in there that's very important and relates very much to Pentecost. Uh, in the middle of the psalm, says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. O give me the comfort of thy help again and establish me with thy bountiful thy free spirit we're supposed to have this committed to memory and pray it before we do anything pastoral 
So instead of trying to be like Rudy and just by the sheer will and determination make it through all these very difficult and traumatic events, it's not the way to do it at all. Not the way to do it at all. On my own accord, I'm worthless. I'm a bumbling idiot, if you will, in that sense. Uh, Only slowly killing myself. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit working through me, through you, that we're able to do anything good. That we're able to love. That we're able to have friendships. That we're able to have life. It took me a while to learn that. And it's still, I still have fits of uh, self-reliance where the easiest thing to forget to do is to pray, right? Is to sort of take out on your own without praying. Um, but that's how we do that. And it's not only with priests. You too. Without the Holy Spirit in your life, you are unable to love. You are unable to have friends. And you slowly die inside. It's very important, this Holy Spirit that we celebrate today. So today we remember the Holy Spirit descent upon the disciples. We remember the birthing of the new Israel. New life given to the church. The Holy Spirit being poured out, not just upon a certain bloodline, but upon all creation. That requires something of us, as it always does, right? We never hear anything in the Bible that requires nothing. If you ever hear anything that requires nothing, please let me know. <laughs> so it usually requires we do something. Uh, it requires a right heart. Create in me a clean heart and re- renew in me a right spirit. It requires participation in the church and repentance and amendment of life and have our heart focused on God and on sanctification. We must focus on these things if we expect the Holy Spirit to remain kindled and active in our lives. It's not magic. It is not magic. Just as I thought it was magic without work, the Holy Spirit does not remain with us. We must work on maintaining clean hearts, hearts that are not filled with rubbish, a right spirit, a spirit that seeks God and not evil spirits. We must constantly repent and amend our lives. We must constantly discern spirits. We must know what God calls us to and what God calls us to. Uh, Paul tells us clearly, calls us to things that are for the common good. And I said this, uh, often when we're prayerfully discerning our direction, our vocation, prayerfully discerning spirits in our lives, the way I usually know when a spirit is not of God is if it's something I really want to do, right? So if I have two choices between something that uh, is very difficult, not that much fun, uh, but works for the common good, and something that I think I enjoy very much but is really usually just about me, I can tell you which spirit's of God and which one is not. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit calls us into common life, to the common life of the church, calls us to deeper places calls us to give of ourselves to others. But we must know how to do that. And we can only do that through living a life in the church, through prayer, through working on sanctification. So on this day, my brothers and sisters, forget not that we must kindle that relationship with the Holy Spirit and that it is the Holy Spirit himself that gives us life. As the plants and the greenery adorn the church and the rose petals are on the floor, Let us remember the gift of Holy Spirit that gives us everything, our very life, that gives us our salvation. And let us work nonstop with the greatest of effort we can muster 
to live a life of prayer, a life of discernment, a life of repentance and amendment. Let us seek always the will of God and the common good. Let us work always to kindle the Holy Spirit in our hearts and of those of our brothers and our sisters. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.